Uh, apologies for the uh, for the tardiness. Uh, there's some internet connectivity issues on my end. <laughs> That's okay. We're um, used to we're used to that. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, we're joined by uh, John Pfeffer of the band Capillary Action. And hey, how are you doing today? Just fine. This uh, this weather, you know. Um, I feel like I need to get a, a space heater installed. It's so it's so cold. <laughs> it's so it's just frigid. Um, I've got layers on layers upon layers. Uh, <laughs> Where are you, Andrew? Are you in Philadelphia as well, or in the I'm East? in the Northeast. I'm in Connecticut. Um, Connecticut. So, so I don't think the the cold front has hit us yet. Uh, yes, yes. Um, but I'm anticipating it eagerly. Get bundled up. Get one of those, uh, you know, those muckluck hats. You know, the Russian muckluck. You know, the ones with the the flaps. With the ear flaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a pretty nice uh, parka from LL Bean that's good up to like <laughs> several degrees Fahrenheit below zero. So. Looking forward to breaking that out. Excellent. Um, yeah, this weather's awful, and there's no there's no AC at my place, um, so it's just I don't know. Ugh. A lot of traffic over there at your place too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta I gotta keep the windows open. It's uh, gotta get some air flowing. Or I'm gonna suffocate. Yeah, we, we can we can take care of some of that in post. Oh really? <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of windows open versus air conditioning. Um, I had a friend who was really into uh, into riding around his car with air conditioning on and the windows down. Well, and that's just not practical. He and he was aware of this. He just he just thought it was the most decadent. Well, I don't know if he thought. I think that was just what he was into, and it would just annoy me to know to to to. to I don't. God, it just bugged me so much, and he would look at me and like he had this. He would just smile like it was like the deepest. <laughs> most perverse smile I've ever seen and he'd be like yep this is what we're doing this is the most decadent thing that man is capable of <laughs> that's pretty weird but then again I do I have been known to have the windows down and the heat blasting in the winter time so that Why? you well because you get the all the pleasures of having your windows down but you're not unbearably cold sure 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 and not when it's like snowing outside, but you know when it's getting chilly. Well, I have, an, I have a question. Interesting. So I, I lived with a guy who was from Middletown, and uh, he um, he uh, hit me to the concept of Connecticut faces. I, I don't know what you look like, Andrew, but <laughs> or if you're familiar with this concept. But my friend Ravi uh, was he was like, oh yeah, that guy has a Connecticut face, even though he was you know if that person wasn't from Connecticut. And it was and it was never the same, you know, there was no consistency. There was no it wasn't like, oh that's what a Connecticut face looks like. It, it seemed like this vague abstract concept, but I wanted to know if you uh either had a Connecticut face or knew what one was. Right. Well I suppose I must be familiar with the concept of Connecticut face, but perhaps uh, <laughs> unconsciously so because I have no idea what that means, unless the concept is that there is no definable definition of a Connecticut face. I don't know. Um, I wonder if there's a Philly face. Rich, what do you think? 
<laughs> I don't know if there's a Philly face, but there's definitely a Philly body type. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> or oh. <laughs> Go on. Philly body type. Is there a Connecticut body type? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I suppose it would be fairly constitutional. Constitutional body. Ooh. But um, we got so, a lot of titles so far. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what are we doing? It's eleven. It's twelve on a Saturday on a scorching Saturday. It's very steamy out there. Steamy. And it's just gonna get steamier with the three of us in this show. <laughs> I knew getting you on was a good idea. <laughs> well, I guess we can. Well, first of all, we should probably talk. Maybe talk about the albums we picked. Sure. Since you're the guest, I'll give you the option. You want to? You want to go blab first, or do you want? Uh, do you want us to, to uh, take the heat for you? Yeah, I'll talk about Sign of the Times. What a record. Um... Where to begin with this record? I mean, it's sprawling. Um, it's uneven. Um, it's 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 really bad at times. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's so. I mean, this is a guy who's just at the clearly at the peak of his powers, shooting from the hip, and I think that's really interesting to listen to. Um, you know, John, so, I would start with whose album it is. Oh, right, Prince. Prince. <laughs> I thought. Sign of the Times, Prince. Um, do I need to introduce Prince? He's nah. very I short. I don't think you need to introduce Prince. Do you have, do you have like a song that we might want us to play uh, from the record? Um, it, uh, Slow Love, anything. Uh, okay. Do you guys know this record? This is the first time I've heard it. Same Woo. here. I mean, I know oh. Prince. I know like some of the big songs. Right. But uh. th- this is the first time I've ever sat down and listened to one of his albums. Okay. Uh, let me let me think of which song to to play. Because honestly, I I didn't like Prince when I first heard him, and I, and and then when I once I got into Prince, I didn't even li- like this record. Um, but the thing, yeah, it Maniac Mix edit that that's the shit right there. Oh, can we swear? This is the internet, right? Oh yeah, yeah. we can swear all you want. <laughs> it's the internet. It's this void. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> We're just putting more content down the void, aren't we? Yeah. It Maniac. Mix. Let's put that one on. No, okay. no, no. Let's put the Ballad of Dorothy Parker on. That's that's the one. That's uh, that's a good intro to this record. Okay, the Ballad of Dorothy Parker. I highly recommend this song. Wow, what a record, uh, or what, what a tune. Um, this weird girl at the coffee shop, um, I don't know, Prince or, walk, orders in and orders a fruit cocktail at a coffee shop, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Um, I don't even know, do they sell, do they serve fruit cocktails at coffee shops? Like if you it's an stuff, unconventional choice. Well, it's very unconventional. They don't serve it at so, the coffee shop I live over. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, let's let's paint a let's paint a portrait of this of this. Well, let's let's we can let's paint with watercolors here. Um, Prince walks into a coffee shop, sees this beautiful waitress on the promenade um, who laughs a lot. Apparently, uh, orders a fruit cocktail because he's not too hungry. Uh, I mean, again, I, well, let's keep going. Well, let's finish it up. But um, <laughs> but I want to I want to inject or interject that. Uh, I, I I strongly believe that I, I don't know too much about this song, but I strongly believe like he just wrote it in ten seconds, or he 
he just improvised it. He like just walked in the studio and said, "Okay, let's let's roll the tape." And then this song came up because the, the the vignette is so far out and interesting. Um, so yeah, he walks into the walks into the coffee shop. Beautiful waitress on the promenade, or the coffee shop is in the promenade. The waitress works in it. Um, orders a fruit cocktail because he's not too hungry. She laughs uh, and says, "Sounds like a real man to me." Um, making fun of him, which is funny. Um, and then uh, they flirt, and then she asks, "Do they want to take a bath together?" Which is what? <laughs> and then I mean, maybe I'm missing something. It's the uh, natural progression of a courtship. Natural a progression shop. of a courtship. Asks if they want to take a bath. He says, "Okay, but I'm leaving my pants on because I'm kind of going with somebody." <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean that raises so many questions is it cheating if he leaves his pants on is uh, I guess I, I think it is personally I don't know if my if I were in a relationship and my girlfriend took a bath with some guy and, but she left her pants on that would still bug me it's a platonic bath it's a platonic bath um, let's take a bath a uh, bubble bath um, then what happens Joni Mitchell's song comes on the radio uh, the phone rings but she decides not to answer it. And uh, what happens after that? Um, whoever's calling can't be as cute as you. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Dorothy uh, Parker, Hollywood. Huh? What, what a, this whole album is just so weird. It's a really weird record. And musically, too. It's really far out. Um, I mean, it's about the AIDS epidemic. It's about, um, I don't know. It's about a lot of things. It's, you know, it's, gosh. I guess... Why did I pick this record to listen to? Well, one, it's amazing. It's just so, it's so, I mean, like, it's, I just think it's, I don't think it's a good introduction to Prince at all because it's so sprawling and it's so uh, uneven. I mean, he's just like, there's so many things. It's just like, there's like it, you know, it's just like a riff and it's just like a hot jam. It's like a, like a, a, a hot jammy riff, but it works so well. There's so many things in this record that would fall completely flat if Prince didn't do it. Ballad of Dorothy Parker, uh, Hot thing, you know, you got the look. There's so many. I mean, you got the look as a classic. Um, I don't know. There's so many choices that are made, uh, aesthetic choices, like in terms of sound palette. They're just so bad, and they work. And I guess that's what's so fascinating to me. You yeah, can make wait, bad choices, and it still works somehow. Yeah, I mean, wasn't this like almost all done with the Fairlight and uh, yep. stuff? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm looking on. I'm looking on Wikipedia. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, ba- I'm being that guy. Yeah. Yeah, the oh. Wikipedia article is extensive. I read it. Yeah. What did you learn? What was the most interesting thing? Um, should I should I read it too? I feel like yeah, yeah. I'm just not. read the whole Wikipedia article. <laughs> Hold I on. If, I, don't, I don't know if we got time to read the whole Wikipedia article. <laughs> this article is about the Prince album for other albums with similar names. Guys, let's just let's put the audience on hold and and read this Wikipedia article. <laughs> <laughs> should we uh, each take a paragraph? We'll just rotate in silence, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ah, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll let it. We'll let it all that out. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yep. I have to say that from my experience, I ha- I was glad that you picked this record, John, because I need uh, to get more into the Prince. And um, you know, I like Rich. I think I know a lot of the the hit singles, I suppose. And um, but one song that I'm a really big fan of by Prince is a song called "Let's Work." which is from the Controversy album. And uh, I forget when that was. It might, it might have been like 82 or 83. Um, we could check the, Wikipedia. Yeah, we could check. And, and, and then edit it so it looks like you know <laughs> what you're talking about. We could. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a second single from Controversy, if I remember correctly. Uh, from Controversy, right. And um, the way I found out about that was that Victor Wooten cited it as one of the great bass lines uh, of all time. And a man of uh, of impeccable taste. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a man. A man. Jeez, uh, Victor Wooten. When I think of taste and tastefulness, I think of Victor Wooten, which is to say I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he cited this as one of uh, the the influential bass lines of his childhood, and uh, I'm a huge fan of that song, and I've been meaning to get more into The Prince, uh, so I was excited that you picked this. And when I was reading the Wikipedia article, um, it's like universally lauded by critics. Like, you know that little box on the side of Wikipedia that has all the aggregate reviews? Mm-hmm. Like, this album has the most favorable reviews I've ever seen. Like, even out, like great albums, you'll see, like, Rolling Stone gave it, like, three and a half or something. But this, like, down the board, it's, like, five stars, A+, plus, five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. And um, so I was really excited to hear it. And I think, and after I listened to it, I think I agree with you that it's probably, despite it being cited as like the greatest Prince album and one of the best albums of the 80s. I'm not sure if it is the best place to start because it is so huge. Um, and there's so many bad, I mean, they're bad songs. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah. they're like, like bad decisions. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think, you know, if I hadn't heard, uh, if I hadn't been so familiar with Purple Rain or with uh, with Controversy or with Dirty Mind, mm-hmm. which I, you know, it's funny, I hated Prince growing up. I like, I didn't get it. I don't know what clicked for me. I think you need to be an adult to like Prince. Or you need to lose your virginity, maybe. <laughs> one of the one or the other. <laughs> not the two aren't you know, the two are, are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna actually I know it's definitely not a, the best introduction to Prince, but it was a good enough introduction to me to make me want to finally get off my ass and start checking out more of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like Dirty Mind, that's a good one. Make sure I add that to the list. I'll start with Dirty Mind and work on and work forward from there. There's a lady at the post office um, uh, on South Street. Super nice lady, Karen. She's a, an obsessive Prince fan. Um, she has a Prince. The the she has the you know the whatever that uh, the artist formerly known that logo whatever that logo the love symbol the love symbol right yeah um, she's got that tattooed. She has a, a shrine at her workstation. Super nice lady, um, and. It actually works out that I'm always listening to Prince when I'm walking in the post office. It just happens on its own. I think she just kind of controls the airspace there. Hmm. Um, but uh, I just want to shout out Karen <laughs> nice. on this if, program. If you're listening, if you're listening, Karen, rock. Karen at the at the South Street Post Office. Yeah, let let your let let your uh, freak flag fly. I guess. Yeah, I, she she runs into trouble a lot of times with the uh, with the management. They make her take down the shrine. Um, That's not fair. They uh, especially. I, I don't. There, there's a reason for it. I think they let her keep it up, and then sometimes randomly they'll come in and they'll they'll tear it down. Um, but I don't know. It's it's such a bleak place. The post office. Um, actually, I really like going to the post office, even if, if other ones, not even just uh, the, the South Street one with the Prince Shrine, but. Uh, I also really like office supplies and office supply stores. But, um, I mean, in theory, the post office is a very bleak place. Um, and she's doing a little – she's just adding a little personal touch to make it interesting and, and fun to hang out. And, uh, and they tear it down. Uh, it's unfair. Hmm. It's repressive. We should, we should probably burn the post office down in protest. Throw a brick through the window. 
And then burn it down. Then burn, then burn it down. Maybe, <laughs> maybe burning it down and then throwing a brick would be a little counterintuitive. <laughs> but we could do that. that just, it would change things up a bit. It would sort of be like Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times is sort of the musical equivalent of burning a, a building down and then throwing a brick through it. Well, I'm, I'm just having flashbacks. What was it? Do it the, was that do the right thing? Yeah, yeah, of course. You threw a chair, though. I thought it was a garbage can. It is a garbage can. You're right. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. <laughs> I heard a clickety click. Andrew, were you looking that up? No, know. that wasn't me. <laughs> that, that, that was probably me. <laughs> yeah, just double checking. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, I was talking to Rich about before you showed up, John, is that on the I was reading the Wikipedia article again, and it, it's one of the critics calls this album. Where is it? Hang on. The last. Oh, it's up here. Yeah, the last. Oh, it's up at the top here. The last. Uh, Michelangelo Matos of Spin cites the album as quote the last classic R and B album prior to hip hop's takeover of black music and the final four sided blockbuster of the vinyl era. He's <clears throat> a guy who likes to sniff his own farts. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was my first assumption. <laughs> um, but I thought that it was an interesting statement, and obviously I'm not qua- I'm not well versed in R and B or hip hop to sort of make such a statement. Um, but I've always been fascinated in the transition between when R and B went from w- rhythm and blues to R and B. I don't even know what you call it. I guess contemporary R and B. So it was interesting to kind of get the historical context of this record. Sure. Um, I mean, I think Prince is. Uh is a linchpin in that in that transition. Um, in that, yeah, I mean, he's. I think I think about what R and B felt like before Prince showed up. Even you know, even his first record, um, um, or you know, Dirty Mind. Like the the like the the subject matter. I think changed gra- like changed pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, the the sound palette. Um, I don't, you know, that state, I mean, I guess there's some truth that it's in, but I also think that there's, uh, I mean, he, uh, there's so many, there's so many concepts he was playing, Prince was playing around with at the beginning of his career. Right. So this, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, an, I, I don't know. To me, it sounds like something nice to put on, uh, it's, I don't know, it just sounds like hyperbole to me. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. I mean, it's a good pull quote for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, it looks, th- looks good on a one sheet, you know. That nobody reads. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this. I'm a really big fan of this uh, of this Prince appearance on American Bandstand at the beginning of his career. I think he's 18, um, and they're lip syncing, but he still he looks great, and his band looks great. Uh, and in the middle, you know, they play two songs, and after the first song, Dick Clark comes over to him and says, "Oh, that was wonderful," you know, and he tries to interview him, and Prince is so coy, and it's so compelling and awkward. Um, and my favorite moment at one point. Uh, Dick Clark says, "So you know, I hear that you can play it. Uh, you played all the instruments on this record, and uh, and and Prince says, uh, yeah. <laughs> so how many instruments do you know how to play? A thousand. <laughs> and you and you and you played all of them on this record? Maybe. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll have to throw a link to that in the show notes. Oh, absolutely! It's amazing. It's amazing. And he's his hair is feathered." Um, it's just the most awkward interview I've ever seen on, on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know how that ties into I don't know, Prince being the, the, I don't know, the link between James Brown and Jodeci. <laughs> he is the link, isn't he? I don't know. What's R&B like these days? It's really, you know, I, you, know you turn on the radio. Um, I, I, work with, I work with a number of kids, 
and they're always they're really into top forty radio. They're not so into um, listening to bleeps and bloops and squeak and squelches, yeah. uh, and seeing experimental music in weird spaces and time. But they're they're really into top forty radio, and uh, and so I get uh, I get a little acquainted with what's happening. I, I wouldn't otherwise. And R and B these days uh, sonically is really interesting, but in terms of the subject matter, I mean, I can't believe. Uh, I know I feel like such an old fogey saying this, but it, it's it's the subject matter is so brutal, it's so raunchy, and so there's so much there's such a lack of mystery nowadays. Yeah, on, on top forty radio, uh, I I wonder how that's going to shape young minds in the future. Not I don't I don't even mean that from a from a moral or an ethical standpoint. I just mean from uh, just how they how they I mean music shapes you. It sh- shaped me certainly, and I think if if I were impressionable boy growing up now and, and checking out what was on the radio, I mean, who knows? I, would, I don't even think that this day and age I would check out what's on the radio. I would just have just gone straight for what's happening. Um, I mean, there's so much music out there to check out. I think right. I would just have been really curious right off the bat. But assuming I weren't that curious or if assuming just I was being bombarded by what's happening or by by uh, by the music that's, that's, that's pervasive these days, I don't know. It's just so... It's so brutal. <laughs> I, like a ten-year-old boy listening to a song that goes ass, 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 ass. How is your waist anorexic and your ass is colossal? It's I don't deep. know. It's super. It's pretty funny actually. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about how that's going to shape people. Yeah, I mean, I've always been. I mean, in recent years, particularly, I've always been of the opinion that the more overt and literal lyrics, lyrics especially, are the less depth there tends to be to the song because, you know, you read it and like you said, ass, ass, ass. Well, there's not a whole lot to ponder there. Um, well, maybe there's a lot to ponder, but, uh, you know, I don't know if ponder is the right word, right? <laughs> a lot to visualize perhaps sure, uh, sure, sure. mentally. Um, but where, whereas when you have more ambiguous lyrics or, uh, more vague lyrics, there's a lot more room to kind of ponder, I suppose, but to sort of interpret the song, in a way that works for you and kind of, you know, have it speak to you on a more individual level. Well, it's just the difference between engagement and, uh, again, bombardment. I feel, you know, that's that's a feeling I have. um, I think the way music is mastered nowadays, it's mastered to, I mean, I think a lot about function when I think about music um, for for a number of different reasons. But, you know, when when I think about how I feel when I am, when I'm subjected, well, I, I feel bombarded when I listen to Top 40 because obviously I'm not, I'm not usually the one making the choice to listen to the music. But I think the way music is mastered, it's mastered to sound, to sound clear on really awful speakers. Hmm. So to sound clear on laptop speakers and on cell phones and on, uh, on ra- car radios. And so because it's, I mean, it, it's mastered in, I think, the same way ringtones are. Um, it's really shrill and it penetrates my brain in a way that you know again it feels like it being bombarded. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was going somewhere really profound. Oh yes, yes, uh, we were talking about um, uh, well the lack of mystery or, or feeling like um, the, like uh, uh, what were we talking about the the um, which we call it overtness and, versus overtness yeah. right right. And I, yeah, I think that extends into the music itself, which is yeah, because it's mastered for these for these really uh, not so ideal sonic situations. Yeah. Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's bad news. <laughs> it wasn't very profound. 
I think that makes sense. You get points for effort. Yeah. Thank you. It's early. Well, it's not that early, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But it's early. It's early in the show. (laughs) I'm on West Coast time. (laughs) Oh, that's not unusual. Our usual uh, third person is uh, is on West Coast time, quite literally. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Matt lives out in Seattle, which makes scheduling this show very fun. (laughs) Poor guy. I lived in Seattle for a while. What's he doing out there? Uh, he wor- works in some does something in radio. Don't ask me. I don't remember what off the top of my head. He used to be he used to be the guy who put together the uh, the CDs of uh, hooks and stuff for what's going out to radio stations so they know what to play. Oh, cool. Good for him. Yeah. So yeah, Matt, when you get back on, please Bad clarify. For the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who doesn't put your music onto onto the after the radio stations. You mean everybody? <laughs> yes, but he, he well he used to be the guy specifically who was in charge of uh putting those CDs together and not putting your music on them. Oh, I see. Well, to come back to your music before we wrap up the show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got we got some other we got two other records to talk about too. <laughs> I don't know if you got a chance to listen to them uh, Well, I, I one was Neutral Milk Hotel. What was the other one? Uh it's it's pronounced Wish You apparently. Oh, the new Liars record? Yeah. <laughs> I've been I don't know Liars have always seemed like a band that uh, stupid people have on their iPods to seem intelligent sort of like like a, a snap like a shittier Ow. radio head <laughs> anytime I've checked out Liars I'm always like okay alright yeah. good you, you hit the you hit the <laughs> you hit the jackpot good for you good for you guys people okay. you, you make you make unlistable music and people write about it good for you Hmm. Okay. Ouch. All right. I guess right. I also I'm a little butthurt that um, <laughs> the the singer is as tall as me. I don't like when people are as tall as me. Hmm. I'll try to I'll try to work in a clip of the song in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, wow. yeah, okay. I mean, so I, we know I'm, where you, know, you again, stand. I'm not trying to write their new record off. I just want to hear it first. Okay. But I, I don't really want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in the hate rate hard today, aren't I? Or Victor Wooten. <laughs> But you know, f- you know, five bucks. That guy gives me a call and he's like, "You want to do something?" I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I mean, you oh. have to. Not that Victor Wooten's ever going to give me a call or liars. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, my pick this week is the new Liars album. <laughs> is it good? I haven't heard it. I don't mean to. I'm not uh, trying to shit all over it. I'm just saying. I, I, it's the first time I, I've ever heard them. I, I checked out. The, oh, I see. The, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the song from Number One Against the Rush. I thought it was pretty good. And. Very interesting music video, very creepy. So, we'll play a little bit of that now. You think John? I'm curious what no one thinks. I know what I think of their earlier stuff. You know, I'll, I'll give them a fresh chance. You know, I'll give them a fresh shot. Maybe the new record's amazing. Maybe it'll change my idea of music. Maybe it'll. Maybe it's. Maybe it's so. Maybe it'll heal me finally. Maybe this will be the music that makes me human again. Let's hope so. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to decide if I want to pick this or the latest album by Letter S. 
and I don't it's I didn't think the letter S album would go over well. So what do pe- what do people listen to this program? What are they all about usually? God, whatever. In in over the last ten, nine episodes, we picked everything from uh, Neil Diamond to uh, well, last just last week it was Neil Diamond and X Models and uh, Gossip. So Neil Mile and X Models and Gossip, cool. Yeah, I wonder which one Rich picked. I think you know <laughs> <laughs> the Gossip. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Andrew, yes, I, you're, yeah. you've been what's your yeah, what's your opinion on liars? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Uh, this is my first exposure to the liars, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable. I think it's um, you know it's kind of more ambient than I uh, than my usual musical tastes, uh, but I found it very enjoyable while um, I was listening to it. The vocals reminded me a lot of the National. Are you guys familiar? Unfortunately, uh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the National. People are obsessed, and I don't I don't understand it. People like Mitt Romney. I mean, people have bad taste. People have bad taste in stuff. Or they don't know better. I don't know. It's like, wow, this hamburger has no flavor. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's, when I hear the national, I think about food with absolutely no flavor and people just scarfing it down. Mm. Whoa, sustenance. Mindless <laughs> consumption. It, like, fills me up, you know? <laughs> it's like I put it in my body and then I'm not hungry anymore. It's great. It, 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 it eliminates the void. That's what I think people feel when they hear the national. And a lot of people have voids that need to be eliminated, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, well, I totally agree with that. Um, God, but, you know, they run New York. If I, if I had two brain cells, I'd be talking to – when I meet them, I, I, I know people who work with them. God, I'm such an idiot. I'm, I, should be, I should be licking their boots. But they're, they're so bad, man. It's such – it's such mediocre music, which I, you know, I'd rather listen to ass, 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 ass than national. Hmm. Because at least ass, ass, this Big Sean, he's going for it. He's, he's got a concept. What's their concept? You know, my, my friend, you know, I think about my friend Matt, who's in, who's in plays trombone in my band now. Um, he was doing a gig with this drummer who uh, wasn't cutting the mustard. You know, he was, he was pretty sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, or he was sloppy and slow and, and, you know, just like missing the cues. And just not playing with a lot of feeling. And, and they had to stop and start. And then at one point they stop and Matt turns around and says, would you fuck a girl like that? <laughs> and that's what I think of when I hear the national. It's just like, can you imagine having sex with the people who make this, make this music? It sounds like, God, it sounds f- like what a, like a miserable, mediocre experience that must be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, they're nice guys. I agree. Um, yeah, people... People like consume and love the entire discography, and I can't, cannot do it. Um, but so the vocals reminded me a lot of the National, and <laughs> plotting, <laughs> yeah, just plotting and baritone and kind of depressed. But I thought that I don't know what it was, but I thought it was a lot more fitting um, on the Liars record, and I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, so I don't know. I can't really. I don't. I haven't been able to listen to the national enough to explain why I don't like it in the to the extent that John has. Um, I think I've heard one national song to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes. So you have to hear this band. You have to hear this music. It's will change your life. Mm-hmm. That you know when someone says that it, it means that it's bad. Well, that's a case of you know unmanaged expectations. 
I think we're, we're going to definitely have to circle back to that when we talk about uh, Nutramilk Hotel. Yes, can we play sure. the national? Can we? Can we? Can you edit it so that the national plays after I say? You know, I I I, I publicly mock them and mock their their sexual prowess. Can you? Can you play like a national song? <laughs> so the, you you have to you have to provide one because I don't have any. You have never heard the national, Rich? No. Yeah, I've got. Um, I put a link to the only song that I actually can identify, as in like that I've memorized, is "Baby Will Be Fine" because it has a somewhat somewhat of a hook to it. Um, and when you, I think when you juxtapose them, the vocal similarities are quite uh, apparent. So I have a link to the YouTube in the show notes, but I can put, I can drop uh, something in our Dropbox. Yeah, if you, if you want. Jeez, and then I'm wondering what people are going to think when they hear when you guys play my music on this show. <laughs> I'd well, like to never... fuck that guy. That should be our intro music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's this, this, this talk about li- liars. Um, what, what do you like about this record? I don't. It's. I haven't heard it. Yeah, it's very electronic, very textural, and I do. I do find really enjoy that sort of music, uh, as Andrew knows. <laughs> um, I heard them compared a little bit to like Violator era Depeche Mode. Great record. Yeah, and believe me, this is no Violator. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let, let's get that clear right now. There's yeah, Violator. Like minus songs and charisma <laughs> and an amazing lead singer and, you know, production values. You're talking a lot of shit for a man who hasn't heard the record. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm so cynical, man, when it comes to to new music. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, trying to not break. to be. I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind. And yeah, that's what, to, that's, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's why no, I started no, no, no. the show because I want to try to like break out of my and, and listen to more new stuff. And so, yeah. it certainly uh, helped me. Yeah, so yeah, you know, that's where I stand. I just think it's—I I don't think it's the most amazing record I've ever heard, but it, it certainly—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not sure if I want to check it. It's—it's more electronic apparently than their older stuff, which I haven't heard. But I was just very impressed. I mean, I just—I checked out the music video for No One Against—I don't know—is it Number One Against the Rush or No One Against the Rush? There's no space after the No, so it's, I think it's Number One. That's how I would read it. Yeah, and I just it was an interesting, interesting song, and the the music video was very good. I wonder yeah. if that song is about peeing in the wind. It sounds like like a, a, like a thinly veiled reference to peeing in the wind against it may, the wind. It, it may well be. The music video is about uh, this cra- this old guy who goes around uh, uh, killing people and su- you know suffocating people with dry cleaning bags. Uh, but <laughs> wait a minute, God, I'm so cynical. Oh, it's so dark. It's so dark. Oh my God, is that what? Is Jake Gyllenhaal in the music video for this? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Don't that's know. a really rant. That's a really. I think, I think you're thinking of Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> the only well, the only famous name I, the only famous person Spider-Man. I know who was in a music video recently is uh, what's his name the guy who played Alex in A Clockwork Orange. Oh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, he was in the new Hot Chip video. Oh. Which is no, the one okay. that, so. we we did a tour with the guy from This Heat last year with Charles Hayward, who's a lovely guy. Um, and uh, he works with Hot Chip a lot, so he brought he brought the Hot Chip dudes to see us in London when we played there, and uh, they didn't really have anything to say. I mostly mostly had to point out that the Hot Chip guys were at our London show. Had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because there I just looked it up on YouTube, and it, this is not the song that I was thinking of, but there is a music video by a band called The Shoes. Uh, and it's for a song called Time to Dance. It's like an eight and a half minute video. And it's a, I guess it's, yeah, it's kind of electronic sort of dance music. But the music video is just eight and a half minutes of Jake Gyllenhaal killing people. No, it's definitely like not Jake Gyllenhaal in the, in the 
liars video. Yeah, no, it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. um, but this video, he's like a really creepy serial killer. Like he's he goes to a a party like wearing a fencing mask, and then like he's dancing, and then all of a sudden he just starts he like slits this girl's throat with his what do you call it rapier, and uh, it's very creepy. But so that just. Whatever, whatever your description was of the Liars music video reminded me of that. So that'll be in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. It's pretty gruesome. Mm. Jake Gyllenhaal, the, the, the serial killer side. D- Donnie Darko. Yeah. I've never seen that. Same here. You, you, you're better off. Really? <laughs> Everybody loves it. Again. Yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, we had this discussion already. <laughs> what else do people love? What do people Apparently, love? Apparently, people really love Neutral Milk Hotel. That's true. Yeah, I guess so. Do you want to set this one up? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, um, so this was my my pick this week is uh, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. And I'm not a big Neutral Milk Hotel fan. And um, not in the sense of I don't like them, just in the sense of that I haven't heard very much. Um, and the title track was on a playlist that a friend gave me one time. And I thought it was pretty enjoyable. And then, um, as we discussed last week with uh, the Neil Diamond Solitary Man, I discovered uh, that John Roderick did a cover of The King of Carrot Flowers Part 1. Um, and so I discovered that this just happened to be on the record that In the Airplane Over the Sea was also on. Um, so we can play The King of Carrot Flowers Part 1 now. And uh, so I really, I really like the King of Carrot Flowers um, part one, part two, and three. Rich and I, Rich, you and I have kind of discussed this off the air, but it's all of a sudden it gets very Jesusy in the part two, I guess. But then the part uh, three, kind of goes back uh, to the part. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I mean that's totally fine. I mean I don't have any, you know, issue with that, obviously. But I guess this is what you call a lo-fi record. Mm-hmm. Not a big recording technique guy, but. Um, yeah, if only we had a professional musician uh, who <laughs> on the show. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> John, if you know anybody, let them know. That, lo-fi uh, is an interesting term. Um, <laughs> when I think of lo-fi nowadays, I just think I think of Daniel Johnston recordings, like early Daniel Johnston recordings, where there's like the tape hiss is louder than than what he's singing, or as loud. Um, I, I mean, because lo-fi nowadays, I mean, there are records. That are that are popular, um, that are recorded on a GarageBand microphone, or sorry, recorded in GarageBand on a on a laptop mic. Right. Um, yeah, wasn't the first Waves album recorded that way? Yeah, I didn't want to mention that. But, um, I didn't want to. Give I, I, only, I, I only met. Oh, I only mentioned. <laughs> I never. I haven't heard it. I, I I I know the guys are jerk off. So, but it's the first thing that I I just happen to. I, for some reason, I just happen to knew that album was done that way. I don't know. You know, is that guy a jerk off? You know, like, uh, you know, uh, for all like, making fun of bands, sexual prowess aside, you know, I, I guess I, I don't want to roast the bands unless I know them personally. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure that guy has some good qualities. <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah, going back to lo-fi. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I don't know if I recall this record. It's pretty. I mean, it's not hi-fi. I mean, I don't know what hi-fi means anymore. Well, the hi-fi, like you know, the the receiver that you have in your parents' basement. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, it's not it's not particularly lo-fi if I recall. 
you can it's 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 high it's of high fidelity fidelity. It's very it's very uh it's it's very lush. I'll, I'll, you you got to give it that. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't associate neutral milk with that with lo-fi. I guess maybe the earlier like early 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 stuff when they were uh you know sort of tape trading what's that guy's name Jeff Mangum. Yeah. Um when he when he and the and those Elephant 6 guys were were tape trading and making all sorts of weird cool sonic experiments, you know, that, that I guess I associate that stuff with lo-fi. Yeah. And perhaps that's why they have some sort of association with that scene, but um, I think one of the reviews I read just called it um, lo-fi but lush at the same time. The thing you have to realize is that people who write about music tend to not know anything about music. That's a good point. Yeah, exhibit A right here. <laughs> Which one? No, me. <laughs> oh, you, you. Oh, I thought you were pointing to some Wikipedia article. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, you know, about, you, know, you know a ton about music, Rich. Uh, what, what is this if I'm talking about music? No, I, yeah. But you know the first step to uh, the first step to have it to uh, you have to admit you have a problem to solve the problem, <laughs> you know. Right. Isn't that a, isn't what they say in AA? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Music reviewers anonymous. Music <laughs> critics anonymous. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, I don't know. I really like the King of Carrot Flowers Part One, and I also enjoy the title track uh, quite a bit. I think the vocals are what grates on me the most. Oh. He's really going for it, though. Yeah, he is. That's for sure. Um, and I think the music is pretty good. It definitely has its own. It has a very consistent feel to it. Like if you heard like a ten-second snippet, you know, even just instrumentally, I feel like you'd be able to identify it as in the aeroplane over the sea. Sure, it, ha- sure. it has a very whimsical, sort of quirky, folksy feel to it. Well, it's interesting how this record shaped. Um, I mean, this when this record came out, I believe in '98. Is that right? It came yeah, out I think so. yes. I didn't even look that up. Um, it came out in 98. Um, uh, I guess, it, you know, for its time, it existed in, in very much its own space, aesthetically. You know, this this kind of old-timey, uh, sort of Instagrammed, uh, you know, like, like old Coney Island, um, sort of old world meets new world kind of aesthetic. Yeah. Um, existed very much in its own vacuum, and over time... Especially with you know with how huge the myth became with this guy and this record, you know I don't think he's even released a follow up since. Um, it's it's so interesting to me to see how that aesthetic is so pervasive, especially in indie music nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's it's almost like it's this interesting touch tone, it's a touch tone um, uh, that that when I see replicated, it's. It, it grosses me out to know to know <laughs> to such a degree. I, I, I think, but I think, and, and it also taints my my view of the record whenever I check it out. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this window. It's really loud. I'm one, one second. No, oh, no worries. Oh, I'm gonna get a heat stroke. <laughs> Um, it's just for you guys. Yeah. So when I, when I go back and I, and I hear this record, um, it's really impossible for me not to hear the the million billion zillion imitators who aren't doing it as well. Yeah. Gotcha. It, it, it's interesting you brought that up. I remember going into the coffee shop I live near. I live over one morning and I'm listening to the, the coffee shop. They always had some weird interest, weird music being on, going yeah, playing. And I asked the lead behind the counter, "Is this Beirut?" And she goes, "No, it's it's Neutral Milk Hotel." I mean, 
the band that's gotten very successful. Oh, I mean the the neutral. Uh, well, we've we've played yeah. with Beirut. I know those guys. Um, yeah. And they the they actually have employed members of that band. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's very clear that he's a huge fan of that record. Um, yeah. Well, I, and I mean, that I think whole the aesthetic. Guy... Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, I was going to say he's just a very big fan, and and I think um, he's he's doing it. He's appropriating that aesthetic in a very. Um, I mean, it's really obvious that he's like very, he's he's not. I don't think he's claiming to to have originated, you know, like to have spawned no. this these any of these ideas. But he like he's very reverent. He's very you know like he he employs members of Neutral Milk Hotel in his band occasionally. Um, but it's interesting how there you know like there was such a a need you know, like or that uh, their absence created such a void. There's that word of the day um, that they uh, that you know I think Beirut's success can be attributed directly to the fact that Neutral Milk Hotel is not around and people love that record. It's, I think, I remember the first time I sat down, I, it's one of those records that's been so played up by people, and, you know, we're talking about expectation and not uh, earlier. Mythology, too. Yeah, mytho- expectation mythology, and I'm, I'm, I put the, I put the album on the first time, I already had this album in my collection, and I put it on, I'm like, it's good, but I don't know if it's, 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 I'm not, they, they set me up for something better. It, the expectation, the mythology around in the airplane over the sea is like, this is, God's gift to music that Jeff Mangum is uh, this Christ figure came down from the heavens and bestowed upon us this amazing record and that <laughs> other album that's kind of okay and that EP that's kind of okay. And it's a white guy with a guitar. That's it. It's just a white guy with a guitar and, and, and way too much time on his hands. And, mm. and he's got long hair and a beard too. <laughs> there you go. I remember when he was there a while back, Jeff Mangum apparently did this solo show in New York somewhere and a friend of mine mm-hmm. was going – and and I'm hearing all these people gushing over and and reading a review. For some reason, I read a review of the show. Of the, all these people just hang on everyone like, dear God, he's just one dude. He's just a musician. He's not God. He's not Jesus. <laughs> Despite the uh, the visual parallels, it's such a, it's such a Western. Um, it's such a. I mean, not even just Western. It's just like it's just like some white people shit. <laughs> this is, I say this is a white person, but. Um, I mean, like you think about the the function of music in other cultures, and it's not about the this messianic figure. It's just about it's an extension of the community. Mm-hmm. And I think when you elevate people and you elevate artists specifically um, to this to the to the kind of mythical status, I mean, you you're kind of I mean beyond the fact that it's foolish and absurd and. Um, Usually, the people who do these things and control these people's fates, you know, like again, know nothing about music. Um, I guess I just—it's just—it's so easy to lose perspective, and it's so and you know, like me, you're bitching about liars or the national or whatever. You know, it's—it's it's like it's just music, and and 99% of people don't even know or care what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny to think about it that way, especially when you bring up someone like Jeff Mang. And I'm sure you know he even would tell you he's like, you know, I just write these songs and. I made this record, and I really like this music, and I wanted to share it with people. And, you know, the fact that people are, are – are, it's sort of out of his hands, and I almost feel bad for the guy. Right. Yeah, he's, he's been given this sort of, the, the, the sort of mythic status we only associate with dead people. I guess so. I mean, he hasn't put out anything in what, what year is it? <laughs> 14 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah an, EP, yeah. an EP came out in 2011. Oh, really? Yeah. By American psych folk band, Neutral Milk Hotel. 
Well, is it I, new material or was it new recordings or is it archival stuff? Uh, released as part of their Walking Well Walk Walking Wall of Words compilation package on December 12, twenty eleven, contains several unreleased songs. Okay, so it's it's older stuff that has never got released, I guess. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, so that's yeah. I mean, you can't not you can't talk about this album without talking about the mythological status of it. I think. It's interesting. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, any any record. I mean, especially. I mean, even Side of the Times. Um, I wonder. I wonder if this Liars record is going to achieve some sort of mythical. Yeah, it's going to be funny to to look at Liars in twenty years and see how they're perceived by people and or yeah. or, 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 their, or their place in history. Um, I you know like you know, if I have kids, you know, then they're they're geeky music nerds as well. Um, like, Dad, you know, what was it like? Liars, like, what were they, like, yeah, they were. Uh, like no one in experimental music really took them seriously. <laughs> that's, that's what I would have said. I would say to my children, "Yeah, but they put these. You know, they put that record out in 2012. You know, the one that looks like the the Coldplay record." Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah uh, it came out, and you know, you want to hear some real shit? Here it is." <laughs> I'm sure it's good. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I I actually feel legitimately bad um, shitting on them because I'm, I haven't heard the record. It's not fair. Yeah, it, it's up there for you if you want to check it out. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, 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 listen, I'll give it a spin. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have to pretend like we listen to it, right? <laughs> nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Should I listen to it? Okay, guys, we need to take 30 minutes, uh, 30 minute break. I'm going to listen to this record and make some notes and bring them back. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we'll let it all that out, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about you, man. You know, Me? You know, you're... Yeah, why not? You're the okay. guest, and you're, um, you're 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 in a band. What's we should like and maybe introduce play like a song of yours. Is there a particular song like maybe something from the Capsize your last album that you want that you think would be uh, good to share with the potential audience? Um, because if you don't, I'll just pick Meth Heads and Mormons. Uh, let's play Feeding Frenzy. People like that one. People okay. uh, people seem to to smile <laughs> after we finish playing that one. <laughs> Or like, yeah, let's do that. Pillage and plunder and ravage the savages tries to lick with their guts from our daggers and just steal straight from the So homeless by past the feeding frenzy. Because I, I, I've I've known you for a while, followed your career for a while. Forgive me, Andrew, but this That's is okay. it's sort of this is your second album. It, it like officially this seems like is it your second album, but like it's really it's your fourth album. Can, can we talk about the first two albums, or, or have you just like flushed this down the memory hole? <laughs> flushed down the memory hole. At the risk I, well, of being a jerk. <laughs> whoa, whoa, no, I mean, no, you're not being a jerk at all. Um, I, I consider this the second record. Um, there are, have been four releases uh, under the capillary action tag, nom de plume, uh, and I feel like the first one that was a clear mission statement was a record called So Embarrassing that came out in 2008. Um, and, uh, and then this one, Capsize, came out last year. And I feel like those records... Um, the capsize is a is a more refined version of of what I was trying to do with with uh, with so embarrassing. I mean, obviously different goals or or similar goals, but also very different ones. But uh, 
the other two records, um, the the first one is is an album called Fragments, which is exactly that. Um, I was uh, 17, 16, 17 years old, and I had a bunch of riffs, and my friend uh, had studio time. And so uh, I just I recorded a bunch of riffs and then made this record, and it just came out, and I happened to have this name, and it got press. And so I was like, whoops. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was unexpected and um, not, not exactly what I, want to be, what, what I want to represent me out there. But, um, uh, and then the other record that, that Rich was talking about is um, an album called Cannibal Impulses, which is uh, a very, very short, dense sort of uh, music concrete freakout Um which which I like I like parts of, um, but it, and again another it was sort of another experiment. Um, I don't really I don't really associate those two records. I mean they're so far removed from from what uh, from what the two official releases are about. Um, I guess I should talk about what the official re- releases are about, right? Yeah, sure. Um, very dense songs that uh, that um, are abstract as well, quite abstract. Um, I consider them pop songs, but no one else does. Uh, I consider them pop songs because there are hooks and there are choruses. Um, but uh, what <laughs> what my conception of a hook or a chorus is is probably different from anyone else's. Uh, I guess I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to make music that is representative of all of my entire history as as not only a music listener but as a person. Um, uh, trying to make very very personal music that represents me somehow. I, I guess I was very inspired by my French on Padilla who records under the name of the Cocker Spaniels. Um, his music is quite literally uh, a diary of his life. He will write about. Um, he has a song about it, giving two weeks notice. He has a song about uh, kidney stones. You know, it's like a, it's it's a very it's really it's really beautiful. Um, but for me, uh, and it's the lyrics are very literal. For me, I wanted to uh, to make my own spin on that concept of music being an extension of my life or my personality. And, uh, I guess I, I, I have this compulsive need to overshare and part of that come, I guess with, with the music that I make, I'm interested in, um, in people knowing me in some way in like in the deepest way imaginable. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I, if they, if they ever never meet me, that's fine. But I, I like, I, I guess I really enjoyed and it was inspired by the idea of knowing Sean's music before I knew him. And I felt like I really knew this person. And that, that idea is so, it, it, is, it was so meaningful to me because like we were saying of how, uh, what's around me musically or, or just culturally is just, is so impersonal and the way we communicate the way people in people our age, and even older, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, Jesus, young young people. I mean, I, I don't. They're gonna they're gonna have this this huge barrier to overcome this this idea the 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 notion that we're actually communicating uh, using social media that we're actually um, sharing something of importance and sharing pieces of ourselves when we're not at all. It's this this very well. That, I mean, actually, that raises some interesting questions because clearly, my music is very is overthought and meticulous to the to the point with. To the point where I wonder if I am even sharing a part of myself because it's so, it's so particular and it's so curated. You know what? Like I'm sharing, you know, I'm sharing this very curated, uh, airbrushed snapshot of who I am with people. And I guess it's the same principle with social media. What am I really communicating? What are, What are people? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Actually, know the answer. Wow. <laughs> uh, neither do I. That, that well, very deep. Um, I spent a lot of time inside my own head. <laughs> I, I, I think we. I think all all of us do. <laughs> At least on this show. <laughs> Let's hope your listeners are are into that <laughs> Pl- plummeting or spelunking. <laughs> I think they are. Um. At least so, yeah, the, right. the, the listeners we aspire to have are so. What's the what's the male to female ratio in terms of the listeners? Do I you even have know that. No idea. I'm imagining it's going to be very skewed towards male, just because of the nature of the beast. I think. That's cool. That's fine. It's a boys' club. <laughs> Clubhouse. Sword fight. Sword fight. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, but uh, right now, I'm actually uh, I'm working on a, on a new. It seems silly to say solo endeavor because uh, compositionally, I've always been solo solo bolo. Um, but I'm working on a new solo endeavor. Um, uh, I'm actually playing uh, at, at Pylam in West Philly on the 21st, and in New York at Death by Audio on the 24th. Um, I'm doing this new. I'm playing by myself with an string guitar. Um, working on a whole new set, but also playing some old favorites. Uh, and it's partially because it's something I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to see if I could rock a show by myself. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very terrifying and you're in such a vulnerable place, especially when you're not, I guess a, a huge trend that I see nowadays is a widespread trend is, is uh, looping stations, you know, the solo looping performer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's, I think that there's a lot of art in that, but I also think, um, I see it so often. It's not. It, it's. It's just becoming a cliche at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm. You know, if I'm going to be a cliche, I'd rather just. I'd rather be a cliche and work harder. <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not that looping folks don't work hard. I'm, I guess the idea of walk, walking on stage with a nylon string guitar and no microphone uh, it seems like like something to do. And 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 to to, to be totally honest, real talk. Um, it's it's uh, econ- it's economic suicide to uh, to have a band, especially my my band is uh, six people total, and all of us live in different cities, and so the notion of of having a band that uh, that exists that way is 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 not feasible right now, um, and so I want to continue performing, I want to continue uh, developing and refining my my approach, and so the only way to do it is to just to work with what I got. Yeah. And I have a nylon for guitar, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm glad you brought up the whole, you know, the the, the financial thing because I, I I've been reading a pe- people talking about that lately, and yeah, you know, it's good to hear from you, someone who I is, I know and is a performing musician. So and it's a it's a, like someone pulling it out of their ass. <laughs> people are making this shit up. Yeah, and also I have to apologize because I, I I didn't know you were playing a show at Pylam on on the 21st. I have a ticket to Hot Chip that night at the Electric Factory. Oh one. no. I, the, I, Wexler, I feel, the Wexler Center? The, the, the Electric Factory. The Electric Factory. Oh, okay. I, f- I feel bad. If I'd known you were playing it, I would have done that instead. I'm sorry. Don't I'm don't feel badly. No, no, no. We haven't even announced the show yet. This is we're, we're, I'm organizing a show for a band that I think, Rich, you would fall in love with. Um, they're called Paper Mice. They're, uh, they're a Chicago band. They're just putting a, the oh, they're putting, they're putting a record out on, uh, on uh, 31G, which is Justin from the Locust label. Um, amazing band. Uh sort of the best hardcore band you could ever imagine. Like they, it's, it's dark and it's funny and it's 
it's um it's exciting and uh all the songs are about um these ridiculous news uh, like new like they're they're taken straight from the newspaper all these ridiculous they almost sound like onion onion articles but they're totally true like they have a they have a song about, called Big Blank that I really like, which is about uh, um, it's about this island that was disputed that, that Indian uh, sorry Indian I think Indian Bangladesh were disputing, and then it just disappeared, <laughs> just disappeared into the, into the ocean. Uh, they have another song that I really love called uh, Paint It Pink, which is the title track of their of their last record, which is about um, this prison. I think it was in Arizona. I could be wrong. We should Wikipedia that. This uh, this prison that uh, where the warden um, made all the uh, all the inmates wear pink suits. I don't know if you heard of this story. I heard about that. Yeah. Um, to improve morale, um, which was which is very funny. Anyway, so they're they're an amazing band from Chicago, and they're and they're touring through. They're they're touring in support of this new album, and uh, and they're playing in Philly. So. Okay. Just tell me where and when. Pylam. Uh, I don't know where that is. <laughs> I should know where that uh, is. It, it's not too far from where I'm at, actually. I, I, I'm living out on uh, 45th Street now, so. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's a new city somewhere. I knew that. Yeah. Pylam. I'm looking it's at 30, it. Yeah, Pylam's like 39th and Spruce. Yes, yes. Yeah, of course, I'm not going to. Yeah, this is very meta, but I'm not going to be in Philly much longer. I'm moving out in uh, August. Moving up to where New York, moving? finally. N- new York, finally. Wonderful. You got a job? No. <laughs> uh. Well, what you, just uh, where in New York are you going to be living? Queens, moving with Cassandra. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. Where in Queens did you live? Uh, Jamaica area. Oh, wonderful. Great. Yeah, been a long time. I should have done this ages ago. You've been with Cassandra for, what, 10 years? Oh, my God, almost. Nine years? Yeah. Almost it's a good run. Yeah, but it's been it's long great... distance for like eight of those, so I am t- I'm tired of the long distance thing. Sure. I mean, Jamaica is... Is uh what? It's like the same distance to Manhattan as Philly is to Manhattan. <laughs> Almost. It's it's like an hour so it, it's it's two hours on the bus and then another hour on the subway to get get there. But eh, people have had worse relationships with a bigger delay of seeing each other. So I, I knew someone who was in a relationship with a guy from uh, Croatia. She was living here. No, she was from Croatia. She was he was living in Slovenia, and they made it work. She ended up moving there, but. Uh, Andrew, I feel like we're boxing you out. No, don't worry about it. I'm just listening. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I think yeah, you're it's... used to this by now, right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Say it again. I think you're. I think you're used to that by now, right? <laughs> yeah, from time to time. <laughs> um, with uh, yeah, the, the moving to New York, that's great, man. Uh, you know, I have this. I have this huge uh, rift within myself because I was born in New York, and uh, and then um, I moved to Philly when I was a kid. And uh, you know, I grew up here and went to high school here, and and then I and then I left, and you know, sort of been in and out of the place. And I always my, I always find myself in a very similar headspace, emotional space when I'm here, which is which is not a good one to be honest. And and since I in my in my most recent attempt to make Philly work, I um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to find what find out what I like about this place and what is what why I would want to continue living here. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, you know, I love New- I really love New York. It's really, I really feel at home there, but the, uh, the, the cost of living in the, and the, I guess I'm, I'm time management is, is the bane of my existence. And the idea, like, like having, 
having to manage your time and your money to such an extent where I almost feel like you can't enjoy life, um, that, that, that also weighs heavily on me. So I don't, I don't know what to think um, uh, of, of either place. And I'm, I'm trying not to exoticize or romanticize either place too much. Yeah. Not that it, I'm, uh, I'm, the thing about the Philadelphia headspace, I've got a couple other uh, friends in this who are also, you know, artistic uh, and musicians who, who live in town. And, you know, one in particular uh, who was going to be hopefully a guest on the show in the near future, Sherry uh, Vary of the Avoid Vision. Um, she's sort of, she says the, kind of the same thing that, yeah, she, it's just this, this particular Philadelphia mindset, just like there's a Philadelphia body type. And then the conversation goes back <laughs> to a full, goes full circle. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting place. In the last, it's interesting that once I finally made up the mind to move, I started to find more things that I like about this, this damn place that want to keep me here, but it's got to What do you not like about this place? What do you not like? And then I want to hear what you like. <laughs> we don't have time. We're gonna. Andrew's got to be out of here in like uh, ten minutes. So. No, go ahead. It's dumb. Don't don't uh, end the conversation because of me. No, 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 really. I I could go. We'll be here until uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> what, what you don't like about this place? All right, give me three things you don't like. Three things you like. Oh god. Um. Well, first of all, you know, there's. Oh boy, it, it's hard to it's hard to just say, but I mean. This is this is Philadelphia. I know that it, Philadelphia is like a small town that's very large, and that's both a, that's a blessing and a curse because I mean you know oh hey it's that guy hey how you doing man da, 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 da. but then again I never see means, you though <laughs> I I have you ever yeah, seen I, me walking around town no but then again I don't know but I see other people it's weird and part of the reason why I moved out to West Philly from my old neighborhood is because I kept running into people I knew from uh, winter school and I don't like I'm like yeah, hey how you doing like. You wouldn't give me the time of day ten when I was a kid. Come on. I mean, I don't actually say that to them, but do you see just... people from high school? Because I don't. I don't ever see people from high school. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm still friends with Julio, yeah. um, uh, who's well, mutual friend. I, Becca from time to time, but then again, I, we know that's all. Yeah, <laughs> I think we might cut this out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Back, yeah, I did run into someone from high school who knew me, but I didn't know recently. Ah, oh, boy, never mind. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. just keep running. It's it's the uh, I, I I something I crave something slightly more anonymous if that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. And then there's um. So two more things you don't like. Two more things I don't like. <laughs> um, you know, so every, all the public transportation shuts down at midnight more or less. I don't have a car. Get a bike, man. It'll, it'll change your life. Someone stole my bike. <laughs> well, someone That's broke the third my thing heart. you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> there, oh, that works. No, it's just um and. Yeah, I guess there's just um, it's so hard to find you know gainful employment in this town. Yeah. Says the guy who's working two shitty jobs, but I'm, I'm wearing like four or five shitty jobs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's I do like the art scene in this town. There's a lot of interest. There's, I wish I could get out and do more of it, but see shows and um, things like that. There's a lot happening in Philly that I'm going to miss. There's a lot of people here I'm going to miss, but uh, it just this is something that has to be done. Just I should have done this ages ago. <laughs> so the only things you don't like about this place are um, the lack of public transportation and the fact that you bump into people that you don't necessarily want to see all the time. Yeah. This doesn't sound like too bad of a place. <laughs> Could be worse. No, but Could be Mon- Monrovia. Mm. I don't know. I, I'd have to like put I, – you, you caught me like very – I had to do like very off the cuff. It gave me some time to think about it and like – write something that may I would have had something more to say. <laughs> we'll open with that next time John comes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Cause we'd love to have you back. This was one of the most fun episodes I, I think I've done of this show. 
I'm glad. I'm glad. This was a blast. Yeah. yeah so we, where can got... people where can people find you on the internet, John? And where can they get your music and everything? Oh, uh, let's see. So my website is capact.com, um, and we're on we're on we're everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Bandcamp. Uh, the record is available directly from us and probably some other places. I think you can get it on InSound, uh, uh, eMusic. Um, it's we're we're very very easy to find. We're, it's it's not it shouldn't be an uphill battle to find the music. Um, and you got no excuse, basically. Yeah, no I just, excuse. I just bought the record on iTunes. So oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, we should talk about it. Yeah, we should. I, especially if you don't like anything, I really, I'm really interested. Um, I play, I played a solo show a couple of days ago, in or uh, maybe a week ago in New York, and uh, you know, I had a lot of very close friends come out, and you know, they came up to me after the show and they said, "Oh, that was great, that was great." You know, thanks for you know, that was that was amazing. And I'm not saying this to my own harm. I'm just saying, like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear like, what can I do to improve? Right. What can I like? Tell me about the stuff that wasn't so great. And and obviously, you know, there were things that people mentioned, but. Uh, um, yeah, it would be really especially interesting uh, for you to, okay. to, to if we if we talked about it, especially if you didn't like it. I would love it. I would love to. I would love to have a, a show dedicated to the music, if, especially if you didn't like it. <laughs> I'll try to hate it as best as I can. I'll, yeah, please, please. <laughs> especially if your listeners hate it too. We should we should have, like get loop a bunch of listeners in. We should talk about it. Take questions um, or threats from the audience. Threats. <laughs> I'm gonna kill that guy. <laughs> I can't believe you made me download that. <laughs> I can't believe I paid money for that. I want my money back. <laughs> what a waste of nine ninety nine, man. I've never asked, no no one's ever asked me for their money back ever, which is really cool. Um, like we can, that that's a huge selling point. No one has ever bought the music and wrote me back and said, "Listen, this is not good. Can you send me the money back? I'll send you the record, um, and you'll you'll pay for the return postage." Like no, that's never happened ever. Um, we've gotten people. Um, uh, things approaching that have happened certainly, like it, in li- in the in the live setting mostly. But uh, yeah, I thought that anyway, crowd at the Les Claypool show was going to uh, storm the stage. It was pretty funny. You opened for Les Claypool? Yeah. yeah. What year was that? It's two thousand nine. We did a we did a uh, we did a, we basically did like the West Coast and the East Coast with him. Gotcha. Um, and and Rich caught. It was funny because the the crowds of the other shows were really really all about it. Um, but uh, that one, he Rich came to see us in Atlantic City at the uh, at the House of Blues, yeah, which was a really really funny experience. Um, did you guys play the New York show? We didn't. No, we did. Uh, okay. We did uh, this. We, <laughs> we did the B market or like the C market tour. Uh, this is like <laughs> the way the way album cycles work is you know the album rele- is, gets released. You know you hit all the major places. Yeah. You do another run, uh, hitting some of the other major places, and I think this was like the third or fourth tour in the album cycle. So it's like, you know, where we play, we played in Ventura, California. We played in Calgary. We played in, uh, Buffalo. Yeah. Some real, some real charming places. Um, but, uh, yeah, that house of blues show was really funny. We, uh, the, the way all the house house of blues work is that the, uh, you know, the band sets up and then the curtains part and then the band is there. And I remember the curtain parting, and I remember going up to the microphone saying, hi, we're and then the first thing that like the whole front row was like, uh, you know, God, I hate this word. I don't even want to say it, but you know, <laughs> a not so nice word for a homosexual. Mm. <laughs> you know, like yelling that in her face. It's like I didn't even say anything. It was like a high word. I'm like ah, you know, that's what they yelled at us. 
and and then the whole the whole show is just like battling these these morons. Wow. I, feel, I feel pretty confident in in my ability to turn around uh, a vitriolic crowd, but this with this one show is. You know, it was just really hard when everyone was against you. You know, yeah. usually like it's half and half, or maybe there's one guy in the front, and it's always a guy. Let's be honest; it's never a, a nice lady. Sure, especially um, at a Les Claypool show. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I remember this uh, this drummer, uh, or the, this guy was next to our drummer, and the whole time he was playing, the whole time we were playing, the guy was trying to fake Dan, our drummer, out. And he was going, "You suck! You suck! You suck! You're you're shitty! You're a shitty drummer! You're bad! You're bad!" He was just like the whole time, and at one point, Dan sort of turns to him and says. Really? Not really as in, do you really think I'm a shitty drummer? But really as in, like, you're going to spend the whole show, you just, you know, these tickets were really expensive. I mean, they were like $50, like 40 bucks. I don't know. It was really expensive. And this guy, like, spends the money to tell the opening, like, go like go somewhere else. Like, I don't get it. Like, I think that was, that was sort of the, the, the what Dan was telling. It's like, you're going to really spend the whole show just telling me how much I suck? And he nodded his head. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Well, I'm a huge Claypool fan, and uh, they can be pretty harsh on the uh, the opening acts. So I apologize on uh, oh no, on I mean, fan bases behalf. It was really just that one show. I mean, all yeah. the other shows were amazing. We really just you know, I was so was so grateful and so uh, honored that uh, the I mean, grateful that we were given this opportunity, but also grateful by by how the the fans received us. They were just. I mean, honestly, I think that in, in certain places we, I mean, I, I don't know. I think we went over a lot better than he did. <laughs> wow. We were a little more excited. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it was really great. It was a really, uh, really amazing, surreal experience. It was so surreal, um, uh, for, if only because I'm not used to that environment. It was my, it was my introduction to that world, to this corporate uh, rock mainstream, like shrimp plate backstage you know, legit. You know, it was it was legit as hell. Wow. Um, and 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 the the distortion between or or the the discrepancy between my world and their world, and we were just m- like meeting in this weird nebulous liminal zone. Right. Um, w- you know, just like you guys in a bus? No. <laughs> See that pickup truck that's totally covered in in dirt? That's us. Uh so who's your road manager? We don't have a road manager. Who's your you know like who, where's your crew? Like we don't have a crew. And and you know I, I guess the 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 thing that's funny is that the, like the, that the meeting of the worlds is so it, like it works it works both ways where the uh, the um you know the, you know like the fact that we don't have a crew and that we're touring in a in a van is absurd or sorry in a pickup truck is absurd and just as the same like having a, a crew like a whole crew of people in a drum tech that's equally absurd to me and it was I guess it was cool it was a learning experience and it yeah. was really cool to. To, to see how the big boys do it. And it was also really cool to see how people, uh, how audiences, um, the function of an audience at that big boy show. Um, the, the, you know, the, the majority of, of, of the live experiences that I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, people, the majority of people who come out, you know, they go to shows all the time. And it's, it's not, you know, you have five, ten bucks to go see a band. Yeah, let's go. And they're going to go play this club. And it's in a weird part of town. And it's, not, it's just part for the course. Mm-hmm. And the experience of these people... Um, the people that you were used to playing with, playing to, uh, it's very different from how Les Claypool audiences experience music, which is, you know, this is an experience and we're going to plunk down 40, 50 bucks to go to this nice place. Right. We're going to, you know, we're going to dress up and we're going to get a nice meal beforehand. And it's this experience and it's great. I, I think, I think both are totally valid and, and totally interesting. Um, and then, and then, you know, this, and then the, and our, and then our function is the opening act and nine out of 10, 
when we're playing with other bands and we're opening, you know, it's like, okay, we got to sit through this opening band. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a chore and it's a drag and okay. And you know, a lot of people show up late and the thing that was really cool about Les Claypool and other big shows we played is that it's, since an ex, it's an experience, of course we're not going to miss the opening band. Uh, right. And of course we're not, you know, we're going to give them a chance. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure we played these shows and a lot of people probably weren't into it, but they gave us a chance and, I, actually, I don't know, man. Not to toot my own horn. I just think actually we went over really well with her, with his crowd. That's awesome. And uh, I guess it was it was really cool to see how open minded people that you wouldn't expect to be open minded were. Yeah. The, the fact that you know these this is his audience for the most part is like a, a very middle of the road mainstream America. Even though it's sort of like the skewed end of mainstream America, you know, it's a mainstream audience. These are people who, uh, you know, on the on the continuum, you know, they they fall on the they fall in a very particular place, but right. it was cool. It was cool to see how open-minded they were, even more so than than people that uh, you know would pride themselves on being sort of on the cutting edge. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, yeah. If I do have to take off, unfortunately, but go ahead for the for the uh, awkward pause at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we like to, you know, keep it real. Yeah. And awkward pauses are real. You gonna leave that in? I'll, I'll do my I best. Know. I don't do any of the editing, so can you yeah, can you th- add some crickets? I think that would be really funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. I try to keep it natural. Um, so Andrew's got to go. Tell us where we can find you, man. Me? Andrew? Yeah, Andrew. Oh, uh, AndrewMarvin.net and Andrew Marvin on Twitter and pretty much any website dot com slash Andrew Marvin. <laughs> I'm gonna look you up. Yeah, I'm already following you on the Twitters. So following me, I gotta follow yep. you then. Well, you don't have to. I know I don't have to. But I'm, you should. Uh, you should though, because he posts cool stuff. Um, I'm gonna, gonna read your Twitter. I'm gonna look at the last two years of posts. <laughs> all right, all right. And that will determine whether I follow you. <laughs> How about that? And, well, if you yeah. don't, uh, if you don't enjoy my Twitter, then I'll hopefully I won't enjoy your album, and we'll be even. <laughs> we can talk about that. You know, that's such a it's such a personal thing. I know you have to go. I'm I'm really bad at this. No, it's okay. Um, I feel like I don't know. You know, I guess I was I was going out with some girl recently, and woman. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, I was going out with a woman. I was asking her if um, she felt more vulnerable being naked in front of someone, or having someone read, or you know, someone being a potential suitor, someone seeing her naked, or someone uh, reading her writing. Right. Writer, and she, you know, without a, without blinking, she said writing, and I feel the same way. And I, and I guess I'm thinking about Twitter in terms of being this very vulnerable, this potentially vulnerable personal place. Even if your choice is not to be vulnerable or, or to, to post very impersonal things, right. um, I, I guess going back to what we were saying about this curated space that we create for ourselves, that we share with people ostensibly, um, how how reflective of that that is of our personalities, and 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 so I'm you know I don't know you at all, Andrew, but if I read your Twitter, I wonder how much of a sense I'm going to get of you. Right. Yeah, and I could follow you for you know. A day or two and decide that you are not worth my time. But we both know that wouldn't be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich, where are you on the internet? Sandspoint.com, Sandspoint on Twitter. I've got a barely updated Tumblr at oneupbreathmint.com, and I'm Sandspoint or almost any other thing you want to find me on. So, well, th- uh, my goodness. I know you got to get going. I'm so- That's okay. John- this, we need to uh, obviously continue this conversation. Yeah, let's yeah, do it again we'll, we'll, in the new future. Yeah, we'll have to have you back, especially when we, when Matt's on, when Matt's back from Portland. So 
Yeah, for like, our, keep... that'll be a four-hour episode. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. You have a great. Thank you so much. Great talking with you again.